0: Well, hello, Victory. It's so good to be here with you today. Hey, I just want to take a moment and I want to welcome those of you who are streaming online with us. We also want to welcome our families at Hamilton Mill and Midtown. They are joining with us today. We also have people from the United Kingdom, from Sweden and the Czech Republic who are streaming in live with us today. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Today is super special and so exciting because we all get to celebrate in something very uh, iconic here in the life of the church, and that is celebrating 30 years of Victory Church.
1: Yeah, we can celebrate that. Uh, and we say that very strategically. We're celebrating 30 years of victory. That's bigger than a church name. That's a reality that we've been able to live in. 30 years of God's victory here through this church. And so, what we're going to do today is we're kind of taking kind of a glance back, road trip back, looking at the last 30 years, and maybe even pivoting and going to look a little bit ahead of what uh, God has for us here. But in order to do that, we're actually going to have a conversation with some people who are really important here in the life of the church. Uh, we're going to have a conversation with. With our founding pastors who actually founded victory 30 years ago uh the, our senior pastors and so we've been saying this is that uh we're in a season of transition but in the season of transition it's also a season of honor and so we're going to give all glory to jesus but we're also going to give honor where honor is due and so victory here in Norcross, hamilton midtown can we just stand up to our feet and can we honor our senior pastors dennis and colleen rouse as they come up here to the platform love it. I love it. Hey, um, <laughs> hey. so what we wanted to do today was kind of give the church uh, a front row seat to some of the conversations we get to have because just by proximity and um, just as long as we've known you guys. So um, here's the deal. One of the things that I love about Victory uh, ever since summer and I first started coming is our openness and our willingness to change whenever changes need to be made in order to continue reaching the next generation. And the reality is, I know some of us, we all come from different backgrounds. And so some of us, we walk into a church and it's still 1970, right? You know, some of them 1980, uh, by God's grace, by your leadership, this is not still 1990 here, even though the church was started 30 years ago. And so we have 30 years of making changes and adjustments to fit culture, not changing the message, but changing the method whenever necessary. And so even just a few months ago, Pastor Dennis, you made a pretty significant change here, you know, where we said, we're not going to be Victory World Church anymore. We're going to be Victory Church. And that was very intentional. And in fact, today we kind of have another step uh, of a change that's going right in line with uh, the name change. And it's something that we've been working on the scenes uh, for quite a while here. uh, Behind the scenes, we've been working on this. And so Pastor Colleen, why don't you talk about it? Yeah,
2: we're really excited today. We've got a wonderful reveal. for you today, um, but I have a question. How many of you are still wearing the same hairstyle you wore 20 years ago? Not many people, unless you have no hair and that hasn't changed, then you're still <laughs> wearing that. But most people change their hairstyle because your look has to change. And so, you know, my, our experience team, we've been talking about this for a while, and they just did a fantastic job. Of coming up with a new hairstyle for victory, a new look and feel for our logo and our brand. So, are you ready to see it? All right, let's roll this footage. There it is. So next Sunday, when you pull in at all the campuses, this is the new signage that you're going to see. And over the course of the next months, we will roll everything, all the collateral pieces into this very strong look. We love what it says. We love what it implies. It's the pathway to him. And it, we feel like it's a really strong representation of that word, victory. So I'm glad you like it as well.
0: Amen. Amen. I love it because, as Johnson said earlier, one of the things you guys have done so well is you're constantly adapting and changing. The word never changes, and uh, the word of God never changes in this room, but you have always been of that mindset. How do we take this and reach the next and upcoming generation? And so I love that look because it's a brand-new look for moving into the future. So thank you for just pushing that forward for, for us and for victory. Um, you know, I know in this room, many of us have come into the story of victory at different times in our life. Some of you have been here for two years or maybe 20 years or even two months. But uh, as I think about that, there's so many memories each of us have in this room and at your Hamilton Mill and at Midtown as well and even online. But pastors, we want to hear from the two of you today on some of your favorite memories over the last 30 years. So, would you share with us for a few minutes some of your favorite memories over the past 30 years here at Victory? Well,
2: you know, it's, it's hard to roll back that long and remember those days, but they were so impressionable to us. I mean, in the very beginning, there were seven of us, th- three of us being our family, my husband, myself, and our little daughter. In fact, we have a really aged photo that... She's actually in the photo. She was two years old, so she was too short to be captured by Wh- the photographer. When was this picture taken? Yeah. I, the question? I, I'm not <laughs> Black sure. Black and white. Obviously, we didn't have a very good photographer. This is ancient, ancient footage. I, uh, how do you like speak- that hairdo? Oh. <laughs> it's changed. Right? It's changed.
1: It's yeah. adapted.
0: It's changed.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw an evolution of my hairstyles over 30 years. If come up, that would not be surprising at all. But I remember... You know, when you have that moment of breakthrough, when you are pressing into something, as we did for months and months and months, you know, we had the seven of us, and we were so fortunate to have a few college students who came alongside, and, you know, you would just go through, and you just, sometimes it, it just seems like, when is it going to ever change? When is it ever going to grow? And I'll never forget the service. I stepped up to lead worship and in front of this huge crowd of 30 people. I mean, it was just amazing. So, you know, I I just, yeah, I know, I I used to lead worship and I just want to say that I think I'm partially responsible (laughs) for the excellence of worship on this platform. (laughs) Because, because here's what happened. People would come, I would lead worship and they would pray diligently, Lord, please send somebody quick to lead worship. (laughs) So I sparked you all to prayer, and look what we have now. We have Montel and Kristen and Danielle and James, I mean, Todd. Uh, so, yes, uh, you're welcome.
3: <laughs> Probably one of my favorite memories is um, back when we were in Doraville, and, and the Lord began to speak to us about this this move that we needed to make over here. And we got a, a, a uh, visit from the fire marshal that said we had to shut down the church in 90 days or they would shut us down because we didn't have the proper CO. We didn't have, we were at le- subleasing from another church. And I went and met with the mayor of Doraville and it was literally something right out of the Dukes of Hazard. I mean, it was, I walked into the office. There was this big screen TV in his office. He had a little mini bar with beer and wine and everything. And he would just kick back with his cowboy boots on and I had a conversation with him, and he he gave us some grace. He let us stay a little longer. And um, I started coming over here to this property, which is right below us, our V2 and V4 facilities below us where our youth and young adults started and our church started. And I started walking around that building and just claiming that building, and Waffle House uh, was resisting us. They didn't want to let us use that building. And after about a year uh, of of ha- having prayed this, when we got this notice, We kind of got on emergency prayer at that point, and we went back to them, and it was just seeing the Lord, the sovereignty of the Lord, because he moved upon Waffle House to lease that building to us, and then fast forward about five years later when we couldn't find property, couldn't find any building, and I was up here on this property right here. It was just a big piece of land. There was nothing on it, and I was walking around on a Saturday morning, and the Lord said, I want you to put a stake on the top of this hill that was on this property, and claim this for God. And we went back. And we went back to Waffle House who owned it. And they were not going to sell it to us. And God sovereignly moved after we had put that stake in the ground. And they sold us the property for a million dollars under the value. And where you see that cross is where I put that stake in the ground. Almost 20 years ago.
2: And going forward from there. I mean... It- we previously were meeting in that location at v two and we were leasing from Waffle House fast forward. We ended up buying all those buildings, and then Waffle House was leasing to us. that was kind of fun a little flip there, but we grew in that in that uh, sanctuary that was to seat five hundred people. we grew to t- two thousand people, and then, when we finally came up here, built this building. Um, even just walking into this building as it was being formed, as the concrete, the steps report where the seats are now and just seeing the magnitude of what God was doing. So that first service in this building where so many of you came and just standing up and being in awe of what God had done so quickly, it seemed, um, that was really 2002, amazing.
3: January of 2002 was our first service in this building. We had over 70 nations at the time and we we celebrated with the flags and all the nations came marching down waving their flags. And we went from 2,000 people almost overnight to 3,600 people just by moving into a new building. And that's how God started this church moving forward.
2: We took a big step of faith in Easter uh, 2007. Uh, Many of you were probably there when we had it at the Gwinnett Arena. Do you remember that? And that was amazing. Filled that arena. And that particular service... Over 2,000 people gave their life to Christ, and I remember having conversations with one guy. He's like, "My neighbor came, and he's a Buddhist. He would have never come to your church, but he came to the arena and he gave his life to Jesus." So it's just an amazing thing. That was an unforgettable day uh, to watch what God did yeah, there. And
3: then finally, uh, in our 25th, how many of you were here at our 25th anniversary at the Gwinnett Symphony? <laughs> Arena, we had over 13,500 people, and then we had to turn people away because we didn't have enough room for everybody. On that particular service, we had Lecrae, we had Crystal, we had all of them doing some amazing new music. We had all of our flags celebrating all the nations. At that time, about 130 nations, and uh, and that was an amazing time that that we'll never forget for the rest of our lives. Amen? So, so and finally, finally, the big thing was last year, after all these years of buying buildings, buying land here Hamilton Mill, we are debt-free, yeah. free from all debt, don't owe anybody anything.
1: So that's an amazing thing. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. A big thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, because
2: we watched as, as we talked about being debt-free and what it took to pay off the buildings and Norcross you all carried the debt, a large part of the debt that Hamilton Mill had to be able to build and to make a home for you there at Hamilton Mill. And so here's what we expect. Hamilton Mill, it's your turn to step up and pay for Midtown. This is how there they you work. go, Hamilton we're Mill. That's your gonna, challenge. We're all going to put something in the pot so Midtown can have their place as well.
1: And then Midtown can help the next building. That's yeah, correct. absolutely. Um, I love that. So uh, I love hearing about God memories, but I'm sure also along the way with all the God memories, there are also some God lessons some things that you learned about God, some things you learned about yourself and pastoring and church and people in the city. So I'd phrase it like this. What are some of the God revelations uh, you two have had over the last 30 years?
2: Well, I mean, obviously a lot of things, but some of the things that really stand out as far as leading uh, is that he told us to hold everything and everyone with open hands. And from that, When you realize that nothing belongs to you because you belong to him, it all belongs to him. Do you ever notice how it's easy to give, spend somebody else's money? It's a lot easier to give and to be generous when you know it doesn't belong to you anyway. And so that ability to learn that was a good life lesson for us because it was the springboard for generosity and that you can enter into this place with God where you do it with joy, everything. So sowing finances and sowing people as well, because we have seen, um, sometimes pastors make a mistake about what loyalty is and they have this concept of, you know, we own you and you know, everything that we're doing is important. Everything you're doing is less important, but that is not true. I mean, everything, because you belong to him and your life is consecrated to him. What you do is sacred. What we do here is no more sacred than what you do and your job nine to five, because we are all doing it as unto the Lord. Isn't that right? And so we see the value of that, and we continually want to make sure that you get that message, that God wants you to be empowered. This is why we did lead well. This is why I started Thrive Today, because it's important for us to know that and that we would have the freedom to celebrate when God is doing something different in somebody else's life and that we would receive the people he sends us, train them up, and send them out. That's what we're called yeah. to do.
3: amen, amen. So in, in, in light of that, I just want to do something a little different that we that just kind of in the middle of this because we're going to celebrate some people that we're going to send out. And every year, you know, the Lord sends people out of the church, sometimes to plant churches, sometimes to do missions. Sometimes you never see them being sent out because we don't make a big deal out of it. But this particular couple, we want to make a big deal out of because they've been with us for so long. And so I want to, first of all, ask Montel and Kristen Jordan if you would come up on the stage, and I want to just talk about you for just a minute. We're going to tell the congregation some things that you're about to launch into Let's give them a warm welcome as they come. Come on. So, about uh, 10 years ago is when Montel left the uh, the R&B world and came on staff with us at our church. He's been serving as our executive worship pastor for the last several years and done an incredible job Building a worship team, they've been over the marriage ministry, they've been over the men's ministry, been over a lot of different things. And last year, if you haven't noticed on social media, God has started expanding some of their opportunities outside of the church, doing concerts, doing different places where where, they can, where He can preach and minister. And so about half the time, He's not here anymore. And so we started having the conversations about what's there next, just like we're having a next and we realized that not only was God raising him up, but he was raising his wife up to start a new ministry called Marriage Masterpiece. And so they are about to launch out. They, they've just recently gone off staff, and they're about to launch into this, this ministry to the nation for marriages, Marriage Masterpiece. And we're going... And along with other things, along with other opportunities uh, uh, that he still has access to. He has, a, he has access to a world that most of us don't have access to because of his background in music. And so we wanted, as a church, to honor them. And I wanted to say some, a couple personal things to them in front of you. I've already said it before, but I want to say it again, is over the 10 years uh, of just being with you, as as a fellow minister, but just learning how to do ministry together and having conversations even from day one about what what are you going to do? What's God called you to do? Is He called you to pastor? Is He called you to evangelize? What it has what has it been? And we've kind of gone through hundreds of conversations, lots of meetings, and we've kind of finally figured it out. But just watching you as a man of God humble yourself, leaving a world where it's all about idol and image and all that stuff and humbling yourself and lowering yourself to this low this role of just I'm going to I'm going to be whatever God's called me to be. And many times over the years just having difficult conversations about different different things challenging you you have always both of you have always been extremely humble, extremely correctable, probably my favorite staff member of all time. I've said this in all the all the services. Yes. Because because And people don't understand this, but as staff, you you become like family. You become a part of each other's family. And and the voices that they've been able to bring into our our meetings, uh, bringing different perspectives from different parts of their past and their life in the world to help us understand better how to reach people has been amazing. And so uh, because of that, we feel like we need to honor you as you leave. And so we, we talked about it. We, we started saying, well, you know, what do we do? How do we honor you? Well, one of the ways we honor you is supporting you financially. So we're going to be supporting you monthly from this point on. In fact, I want to encourage everyone, if you want to, to support them monthly. Uh, in fact, can we just put up their website? Can we just put that up for just a moment? This is their website, com. You can go on there. You can learn how to support them. But not only monthly support, we're going to kick it off by giving you $50,000 to start your, start your ministry as you begin to, to launch out. So, what do you think about that, Montel? <laughs>
4: this is how we do. <laughs> I had to do it before Pastor C did it. <laughs> uh, if, if I could take just a moment, first of all, i just say... Um, Thank you, uh, thank you. This is this is overwhelming. Um, and just from the standpoint of, as even with us doing this a couple of times, Pastor and I was just sitting there, uh, and I felt like God was just showing me the difference uh, between being a, a dad and being a father. Um, a dad it takes one time to be a dad, uh, but to be a father it's an ongoing process. And even though our age different, you know, there's ten, eleven years between us. Uh, you've been a spiritual father to me. I've had spiritual dads and I've been undercovering before. Uh, but you guys have been a spiritual mom and dad to us, a spiritual mother and father in an ongoing process. And we can't pay for that. And we're grateful that all of who we are, and everything that we want to take into the world is because of what you put into us. And so, just for clarity's sake, for everybody on the other campuses and everybody watching online, uh we're not leaving. We're not don't see me in a hall and be like, "Oh, we're going to miss." Listen, we're not going anywhere. This is our church. This is where we tithe. This is where our community is. These are my founding pastors. These are my new senior pastors, and these are all my friends. So we may be here less, but this is our home. This is where we serve. And four uh, four pillars and the 10 qualities of a disciple, simplicity and si- sincerity, sin- sacrifice, all those things, we just want to take that now and take it out to a world that may not ever come to a church, but we get a chance to take it to them. I said this in the other service that um, there was a time early on where Kristen had a favorite Bible And she gave that Bible to Mary J Blige many, many years ago. Some of you are like, what's a Mary J Blige Google that later, (laughs) Google that later. But for those of you just to understand a small glimpse of what that is and what you're seeing in music now and seeing in ministry now, we have this really cool opportunity to be able to go and reach people who are seemingly unreachable to take what we've been nurtured with here and take that out into the world. So.
2: It has been our honor and our privilege to learn here, to be nurtured here, to be grown here. We started in fusion. They birthed this ministry out of that. And I have to tell you, like, they poured into us. They poured into us. They loved us back to Jesus. They showed us what it is to love Jesus and to be loved and be known by Jesus. And now we get to have the opportunity to go present that beautiful witness to other people, to remind them that he's still king, he's still Lord, he's still redeemer, and he reconciles broken things. And it is our honor and our privilege to represent you, and we love you. Thank
3: you. Amen. Amen. So just so you guys know, he's going to be leading worship here once a month still, about the same as he does now. So you're not even going to notice any difference. But uh, but we told them, you can't leave us fully. You have to still be back here leading worship periodically from time to time and, and be a part of this congregation. So, Johnson, would you come and let's pray over
1: them and yeah, let's absolutely. just let, let God bless them. Father, we believe that you've raised up two influencers right here. And as Pastor Dennis just said a second ago, they're going to find themselves being able to reach people that uh, very few people can reach. Uh, people who are, who are lifted up in the eyes of society people who are big influencers on social media and, and in culture and God I believe that you have raised up two people here right now to influence the influencers and so father we pray that you would open up doors that no man can open God they, they would find themselves in living rooms they would find themselves God in coffee shops with people who need to know Jesus who are massive influencers in this culture and I believe that the ramifications of this sending are gonna be great they're not gonna be localized to one or two people it's not just going to be one or two churches. God, we're actually going to see a movement in families and in marriages. God, we're going to see a movement of salvation um, to people who are unreachable right now. And so God, I pray that you would open up opportunities to this couple right here to truly be uh, magnificent influencers of the kingdom of God in in the society, in the church, and in the culture. And so we pray, we pray a blessing upon them in their marriage, in their family, in their finances, and in their future. And right now on behalf of the local church, we send them. Until, Kristen, we send you to go represent Jesus Christ to the nations. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, let's appreciate this right here. All right. Let's
3: give them one more round of applause as they seated. That's awesome.
2: He's so, so good, isn't he?
3: So... Um, Probably one of my, just to get back on to this revelations uh, that we've gotten over the years just to kind of help move us along, but probably one of my favorite ones happened in the early days of this church when the Lord spoke to us in the very, really beginning of the church out of the book of Acts and showed us the, the New Testament church was not a one race only church, it was a multicultural expression of how God works through people exalting the kingdom culture over earthly culture. And I remember the Lord showing me that in the book of Acts. He gathered all the nations together, and then he started the New Testament church. And I grew up in the Martin Luther King era, where Martin Luther King said 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. And I realized we had a dilemma. We have a dilemma in our hands in America because as we go forward into the future and the emerging generations of many different nations and cultures come into America, and they look at the church and they see segregated gatherings on Sunday morning. That wasn't going to fly with the, with the emerging generations. And they were going to drop out of church, which is exactly what has happened. And so the Lord began to ask me this question. This is a good question for you to answer too. And it's going to sound a little funny when I say it because it's going to sound like I can't believe you said that. But it's a, it's a real question that the Lord asked me. He said to me, he said, you're, you're, you've grown up, all you've known is the white culture, the white race. He said, do you, do you love black people as much as you love white people? That's the first question he asked me. Do you value the issues in black America as much as you value the issues in white America? And I remember thinking through that and I said, you know, Lord, I can not honestly say I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't raised to think that way. But biblically, if I'm thinking biblically through Christ, I have to learn how to value other cultures as much as I value my own. And as I started to think through that and Colleen and I started having those discussions and we began to realize that God was putting in an inordinate love in our hearts for people of other other nations and other races, uh, that this was something God was birthing in the church, in the world of the church. And we have seen that. And then it, it expanded from, from the black community to the Latino community to the Asian community to all the different cultures to now we have 142 different cultures, which we're the most multicultural church in America. In America, you get to gather on a Sunday with the most multicultural church in America, which is it's a, unique, it's a unique setting. That requires incredible revelation of value. And I realize that not everyone who comes here has the same revelation of that at this point, but our goal has always been for 30 years to just keep pounding that thing and breaking that down inside of our hearts and getting us stripped of our earthly culture focus and put our focus on the kingdom culture. That's been our focus. And if
2: you think ultimately, you know, Jesus said I would come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Abundant living, to me, the greatest experience to abundant living is the ability to love everyone the same and not to be selective in whom you consider to be valuable. But that's a real liberty. That's a real freedom to be able to love everyone. And so that is something that he showed us, and that is something that we see played out across the campuses. And, I, I mean, I commend you all across all the campuses because obviously you are running with this vision, and you get the importance of this message. And we watch the way you interact on our weekends and, you know, there's nothing that thrills us more than to see that you get that because that's a big, big important part of of the vision. So thank you for that. I would say one of the major things that he told us very, very early on is he said, commit yourself to the whole counsel of God. And what I mean by that is um, as leaders or pastors, Sometimes you can make the mistake. And he told us early on, don't just get caught on one theme of the Bible and just preach one topic. And and don't just pick out all the great portions so that you make the people that come feel better. Because it's not about feeling better. It's about being better. Isn't that right? That's what we're after, uh, to be more like him. And so this is the kind of thing that is something that all of us need to be careful of because Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And we don't want to miss out on the transforming ability of the word of God. And so when we think about what the Bible says about the men who wrote the scriptures in the first place, it says that it was God breathed and they were inspired by the Holy spirit to write it down. So what I think the best way for us to read the word of God is to ask the same one that breathed the revelation into those men to breathe that revelation into us because you can allow two things to influence you. As you read the word of God, you can allow society to influence and shape the way you perceive his word. And if you do it, the word of God is an occasional thing and you can mess around with it to your own liking and you can have your truth. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to shape your perception of the Word of God, then you will see that it is a holy thing. And you will experience the transformation in your life. And you will have a regard for it. So one of the things that I have always admired about my husband, one of many things, is that he has stood here on this platform and he has said things that are unpopular he has tackled topics that other people would shy away from because they didn't have the courage or didn't have the conviction. But you have always preached truth. You have held to that, and you have helped us be better.
3: Thank you. It helps and, I'll, and this is just a word to, to marriage to marriage right now. It helps when you go home after preaching things that you know are not popular to have a wife that supports you all the way and backs you up with what you say and helps you navigate the emotions that you feel when everybody doesn't seem to be for what you're saying and saying, you, you did the right thing, even though it was hard. And so, I just want to say thank you for being that person in my life. Thank you. Probably, and I'll just kind of wrap this up for, for, for time's sake, is that Another great revelation and probably one of the most important ones in this church was when we started thinking about the concept of moving from a believer in Jesus to becoming a fully committed disciple of Jesus. And the more I studied the church, the more I realized that there are two ways you can build a church. You can build a church by preaching what people want to hear and you will get a crowd. You can build a church by preaching what the Bible says, and you'll thin out the crowd, but you'll build a congregation. You'll build a congregation that can change the world. And I, I, as I re- read the Bible, I realized that when Jesus was on the earth, this is what's so powerful about 30 years. Jesus was 30 years old when he started his earthly ministry. He had lived on the earth for 30 years preparing himself for his next he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert praying and fasting, coming back empowered by the Holy Spirit, and in three short years raised up 120 disciples, 12 committed, fully committed disciples and 120 fully that were following him, that when he left the earth, we now on 2,000 years later find 1 billion people that follow Jesus at this stage of the game. The, gra- the greatest, largest following of any religion in the world because people, when they start discovering who Christ is, they realize even though it's difficult, it's truth, and it sets you free. And so we started on this journey. We, we, years ago, all of us said, that, what is a disciple? I wrote the book 10. Many of you have the book. We have it. And it just describes what the 10 qualities of a disciple are. And we decided, okay, we're going to be like Jesus. Jesus turned to the crowd. And he said to them, if you want to follow me and be my disciple, you've got to be willing to forsake your mother, your father, your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, and yes, even your own life. And take up your cross and follow me. And it said hundreds of people stopped following Jesus when he said that. It was not a popular message. It was so unpopular that by the time he went to the cross, he only had about 120 people still following him. And yet, we see the results of what it means to become a fully committed disciple of Jesus. That's what we're all about here at Victory. We're not about being a big crowd, even though we have a big crowd. We're not about having a big crowd. We're about having strong people that are moving from believing in Jesus to becoming fully committed disciples of Jesus. Are you with me? Are you with me? Which means, which means that we're just getting started. We're just getting, we're only 30 years old. In the Lord, in, in the ministry, so even though Colleen and I are 62, we figure we got another good 20, 30 years to go. Come on.
0: <laughs> I love that. You know, uh, Pastor, I love that you mentioned that because even when Johnson and I stepped into the walls of Victory 21 years ago, so we're legal, right? We're legal. We're 21 uh, as of January. One of the things we respected and fell in love with here at Victory was the fact that you and Pastor Colleen, your regard for the Word. As you said, you can come into a good church who can build a crowd, but we, you've been more interested in building disciples all of these years. And so just to thank you from the bottom of our hearts, we would not be who we are today without the two of you and your regard for the word and preaching the word uh, and discipleship here in the church. So being here for 21 years, we have seen God do some incredible, amazing things, some great things, uh, and lots of accomplishments along the way. But we would love to hear from the two of you some of what you feel like are the greatest accomplishments you've seen over the past 30 years here at Victory.
2: Well, I think one of the things we've already talked about it, but it is still worth celebrating in the fact that there are over 142 nations here that we do life together. We worship every weekend. I mean, do you understand that there is no other expression of heaven all through all over America than what we have here? And that is something to be grateful for and to celebrate.
3: I think um, I, I know when we started the church, when we made a decision In the early days of the church to be a generous church. And we felt like God had gifted us with the gift of giving personally, and we carried that into the context of the church. And so, we made a decision, for those of you that are new, you may not know this, that we give at least 20% of everything that comes into the church outside the church. It goes either into some form of missions or meeting the needs of humanity. And so, we set a goal, uh, of $100 million. This is back in 1992, two years into the church. And, and you got to understand, in 1992, our total budget for the year was uh, $150,000. That's how much money came into the church. So, this audaciousness to say to the Lord, Lord, we're going to give $100 million before we, you know, before we're gone from this earth. And t- now to celebrate it the 30th year, $70 million has been given into the gospel over those 30 years, $70 million because of your, of your generosity and our willingness to, to be able to give that out. And, and, and so we figure we've got a good eight years left on the staff here. And so we'll see $100 million before we go off the staff here. And so we're going to see that goal realized. But just seeing the lives that have been altered the the, 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 the the orphanages, the water wells, the rescuing of human trafficking victims, the uh, just the the healing of people's lives that have happened over those thirty years has been that when we when we sit back and really think about victory that 's what we think about that's the thing that that really stirs us and I think of also one last thing when we were about ten years into the church. John Maxwell, Dr. John Maxwell, who, by the way, will be at our uh, celebration on August the 16th. He will be one of our speakers. Um, he was just starting to mentor Colleen and I, and he sat down and he said, you know, there's no success without a successor. And he said, if, you're, if it's all about your success, and then when you're gone, whatever that organization is goes down, then you really weren't successful. And he said, so the key to the future legacy of your church and of your ministry is what happens when you step aside. And, and so for me, one of our greatest accomplishments is sitting right here across from us, our new pastors that are going to take over. Because when we, when we started hearing the Lord say to us, this is the couple that's going to step into the next of victory. And for 30 years, you got to understand, this is a little pressure because for 30 years, we've never seen a leveling off or a downturn in this church. For 30 successive years, the income has gone up. The numbers have gone up. The people have gone up. The expansion of the kingdom have gone up in this church. We've never seen a leveling off. And so it's going to take some special anointing to keep that
1: record going. Well, at least there's no pressure. No that's pressure. What that's what I'm happy about. no pressure.
3: That, this is how, listen, I want you to hear this. We've learned over 30 years to recognize who is a leader and who can do this. Yeah. So you're going to have to put our, your trust in that. We would not put them in this position if we didn't believe in them fully that they're going to take this church to the next, gen- next generation and reach the people for God. So you are one of our greatest accomplishments.
1: <laughs> Thank you're you. Not,
0: you're, not the, you're not the first employee, but we're one of the greatest accomplishments, <laughs> right? No.
1: Um... <laughs> For real, and I, I say this, I mean, I'll, I'm going to say this a hundred times moving forward, but I really, um, I, I do believe that giving honor where honor is due because uh, I know a lot of guys, a lot of guys who are in pastoring right now, and some of you come from broken churches that uh, had broken transitions, moral failures, money failures, sexual failures, marriage failures, those sorts of things. And what I love about this is there is none of that. This is drama free. It's good. It's godly. It's pure. I think God smiles when he thinks about this, and I think God smiles when he thinks about you too. And I guess just again, here here in, in Norcross Midtown, Hamilton Mill, can we just give honor where honor is due for 30 years of leadership, 30 years of leading well. I love how uncomfortable that makes you. Um, no, but I, I, I've said this before, but I really do mean it. It does something good in me as a not the younger generation, but a younger generation to see um, the generation before me finishing this season well, finishing well, and that that speaks more than a thousand sermons ever could. So, thank you for that. Um, so, all that being said, uh, here as we close out 30 years, celebrating 30 years of victory, um, uh, Pastor Dennis, as you're speaking to, you know, several thousand people online in all of our campuses, uh, what sort of closing thoughts would you have for us? So, I
3: give a little thought to this because I thought, you know, you don't get to celebrate 30 years often. It's it's a it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing that you get to do this. And I asked the Lord even this morning, I said, "Lord, if I could just say one thing to our congregation, just and, and it 's not that we 're going away we 'll be here we 're going to be on still on staff we 're going to be around we 'll be preaching to you again but but if there 's one thing that the Lord showed me that 's so important, so vital, so key is he started speaking to me about leadership, and he said, You know one of the things i i didn 't wire you to be a mega church pastor." He said, I wired you to be a pastor, but not a megachurch pastor. And he said, but you have to understand that when you do the right things and I put my hand on you, I can do some amazing things through very ordinary people, which we are very ordinary people. But then he said this to me. He said, one of the challenges of Christianity today is the equation of addition and subtraction. And he said, a lot of Christians don't get this. They miss this huge, huge issue with their life with Christ is what they do is they add Christ, but they forget to subtract themselves. What happens is they add Christ on top of themselves instead of subtracting themselves. And when Paul said this, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ Jesus who lives inside of me. It's no longer my will, God, but it's your will that has to be done in my life. And too many people are followers of Jesus, but they're not really, really losing themselves. They're not willing to give up their will for the cause of Jesus in the earth. And he said, when a person can add Jesus and subtract themselves, I can do extraordinary things with their life that they could never accomplish in their own abilities and their own strength. So sitting in this room in Hamilton Mill at Midtown online, has there's an amazing potential of Christ in you if you'll just let him take over your life instead of you trying to run it and just adding him to the equation. Does that make sense? So I want to challenge you this afternoon I want to challenge you in closing because I want to remind you that of all the things that have happened in the 30 years of this church, the reality of it is it's really not about personalities. It's not about talent. It's not about any of this. It's about people, not just us, but people who've been willing to add Christ and subtract themselves. And if we've got a congregation that can do that, we can change the world. We can change the world that we live in. And so I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment at all campuses, online. And I'm gonna invite you to do that this afternoon. This is a very, very unique gathering this weekend. It's a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, 30 years. But perhaps there's some of us here that we could honestly say, if we really look at our lives, we've added Christ, but we've not subtracted ourselves. We're still holding on to some of our ways, our will, our sins, our vices, our emotions, whatever that has ruled over us. And because of that, it's hindered our walk with Jesus. It's never really fully taken root in us. And so perhaps the Lord is speaking to some of you today in any of the campuses and here at the Snorcross campus, and saying, on our 30th anniversary, today, Jesus. I want to mark this with a demarcation. Today, I'm going to, I'm going to I'm fully commit myself to you. I'm going to be willing to let go of what I want, and I'm going to accept you not only as my Savior, Jesus, but as my Lord. If that's you here in any of the campuses, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to simply just do this by lifting your hand, saying, that's me, Jesus. That's me. And if you're serious about this, I mean, you're really serious and it's not just an emotional thing, but it's to say, "I'm today I'm making a fully committed decision that I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to leave my past behind. I'm not going to keep living in sin. I'm going to let God take control of my life. Then wherever you are, whether it's Hamilton Mill, Norcross, Midtown, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to stand all around each of the campuses and to, as, a, as a sign to God. God, today... I'm fully committing myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As you stand here, let's say this prayer together. Let's say it together. Jesus, right now, I repent of all of my sins, my will, my way, and I ask you to forgive me. Today, on this 30th anniversary, I commit my life to you. I surrender everything. I believe that you died for my sins, and I believe that you rose from the dead. And today, Jesus, I give my whole life to you in Jesus' name. Let's just lift our hands right now. Let's just begin to thank him. Lord, we give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Come on, let's celebrate with everybody that gave their hearts to Jesus'